It's time for Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the best place to go to get all your fantasy football news, analysis, and advice to dominate your league. Breaking news alert! Burke and Miz talk off-season signings. Please call the police if you see anyone suspicious not listening to this podcast. All right, welcome to the show. We have a good one for you today. We're going to go through the tight end rankings because we know everybody gets excited about the tight end rankings. We also are going to go through some breaking news, and there's a lot going on with the you know, the mini camps happening, well, the training camps, and yeah, it's almost down to the final cutdowns. First line of business is the Ravens. They traded their fifth round pick, Ohio State cornerback Sean Wade, traded him to the Patriots. Patriots give up a fifth and seventh round pick. Now, you know, this is just a depth type signing. I, I think he makes the, the Patriots roster. Um, Sean Wade, just the, the Ravens had a lot of secondary depth. And didn't have room for him, really. And, you know, he's a fifth-round pick, but uh, it definitely is surprising for the Ravens to get rid of a uh, draft pick that, you know, a guy that they just drafted this last year so quickly. But uh, that's the way it goes in the NFL nowadays. Josh Rosen, this is some pretty big news. They He signed with the Falcons after getting cut from the 49ers, and they signed him to be the backup to Matt Ryan. And this is after A.J. McCarron got injured and is out for the season. Him and his uh, what Miss America girlfriend or wife that he has, um, but Josh Rosen, you know it's kind of a weird situation. He was the first round draft pick of the Cardinals, lasted a season, then there was a whole new regime that came in, got rid of him when they drafted Kyler Murray, got traded to the Dolphins. He went to the practice squad of the Buccaneers, and uh, you thought maybe he'd be developed for when Tom Brady retired, but uh, that wasn't the case and. You know, he's been thrown around the league. Pretty soon he's going to be playing for every team. And uh, right now he's playing for the Falcons. Uh, Ryan Tannehill tests positive for COVID, along with six other players on the Titans, you know, along with Mike Vrabel as well, the head coach. And the Titans just seem to be the worst team in the NFL at uh, taking precautions for COVID. They had a big issue last year where their games were delayed a couple times and they had to postpone them or reschedule them. And now they're already starting off on the wrong foot by getting a lot of guys that are testing positive. And I don't know what they're doing over there at Tennessee, but uh, they need to be doing something different than what they're doing for sure. Carry on Johnson. This actually should have been breaking news last week, but uh, we're going to talk about it now because he was cut by the Eagles and that's just due to him being injured still. Um, you know, that was his issue in Detroit. Everyone was really high on him, thinking that he'd be, you know, the, the guy to own for the D, in the Detroit Lions backfield. He just couldn't stay healthy, and you know, the Eagles signed him. He thought he might be some competition for Miles Sanders, and again, he couldn't stay healthy, so he was cut, and now he doesn't have an NFL team. So he will probably be a midseason signing for somebody looking for depth, or you know, to replace a guy that gets injured. But uh, definitely a talented guy to be sitting there in street clothes right now. Yeah, this guy been really excited, you know, coming into his uh, rookie year, coming out of Auburn. Um, players are really excited about it, and hopefully he can get healthy. Um, but unfortunately, it looks, uh, looks like that injury is persistent here and concerned about 
you know what the future of his career looks like at this point. I know it. Uh, it it's almost like uh, what Wilson for the Giants, where you were really high on him, and then he had that big injury, and he just wasn't able to recover. And Kerryon Johnson was kind of the same thing. Everyone had really high hopes for him, and you know it's it's always disappointing when it's injury that cuts the guy's potential short. And so far, I think that's you know the, the, what's happening with Kerryon Johnson. So hopefully he can find a home and maybe uh, resurrect his career a little bit because he's an exciting player. The uh, Washington football team, they cut Kelvin Harmon, Steven Sims Jr., and running back Lamar Miller. And the reason why I bring that up is because Steve Sims Jr. was definitely fantasy relevant just a couple seasons ago. Lamar Miller, all those years for the Dolphins and Houston Texans, was fantasy relevant. And, you know, that looks like that injury is significant enough that he's just not his old self anymore and uh, doesn't have that same burst. Kelvin Harmon, I just wanted to throw in there because he was a receiver that on Washington that people always talked about was having good camps and could be, you know, make some noise in the regular season and just was always buried on the depth chart. Well, now he's really buried on a depth chart because he's not even on one. So he was released. Luke Wilson announced his retirement. Tight end for the Seahawks. Uh, not that this is really big news, but he's definitely was a tight end that's been a big chunk of his career with Seattle and everyone knows about. And just, you know, he signed uh, a couple days ago and then the very next day announced his retirement. Didn't want to do it anymore. And then Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, they're getting fined for refusing to wear masks. And it's a big. Uh, production over in Buffalo because they're defiant saying that they're not going to do it. And if they have to miss games that, you know, they'll miss games if they have to, to try to send a message. And I just think this is bad timing for Buffalo because they really have a good team. Finally have a lot of weapons and then they have two guys that are kind of acting selfish and, you know, if they get suspended, you know, the NFL is going to keep finding them uh, more and more and, and actually making the, uh, the discipline, uh, disciplinary measures a lot worse as they keep being defiant and if they have to miss games because of this stance then that could really hurt the buffalo bills team and i just don't think it's a you know good timing on their part because they definitely have a squad that could make a run for the super bowl this year um trevor lawrence starting quarterback for the jaguars you know this was big breaking news but it wasn't really breaking news because this was everyone's assumption from the day he was drafted number one overall. But now it's official. He's going to be the quarterback. So adjust your rankings and accordingly. And uh, the Jaguars are still going to be a really bad football team this year. I tell you what, if you're the ja- if you're the Jaguars and you take a quarterback number one overall, and you know he's not the starter. There's some question marks there. And now you're going to take someone number one overall. If they're not ready, that's, uh, that'd be concerning. So I agree. Like, breaking news that's not shocking to anyone. Like, no, we're going to stick with Gardner Minshew. And, you know, we'll, we're going to develop Trevor Lawrence on this uh, really bad football team that we have. <laughs> and with, with Travis Etienne being hurt for the year, I mean, that's significant because, you know, you thought that uh, Lo- uh, Trevor Lawrence was going to have some weapons. And they're going to have kind of a running back by committee. And they still have Carlos Hyde over there, but losing Travis Etienne, I really think it opens the door for James Robinson to continue to have a monster workload, uh, you know, and, and maybe be as relevant as he was last year. 
I think Etienne was the only one kind of getting in the way of James Robinson uh, volume. And, and now I actually like James Robinson and feel like his uh, his value has really increased. Yeah, I think Robinson's value has increased as, that, as the running back for sure. But I think there's some uh, player that benefits from you know the unfortunate injury is um, LaVisca Chanel. You know, he's a player that when they you know, drafted Etienne that I thought could potentially, at least how they were talking about playing a receiver, potentially eating into Chenault's, you know, role. I think Chenault is the better player for that position, but obviously when they're making statements, they want to put him out at receiver, that there was some idea to play Etienne in, in that area, um, you know, and, and could have eaten into Chenault's touches. But I think that Chenault is just a talented player. He could play running back, he could play you know, wide receiver is just a very dynamic player. And I think that in the absent Etienne, I think that you're also going to see a lot more targets go Chenault's way. No, I agree with you because I really liked uh, how Etienne might have been used in that offense. But you're right. It kind of was uh, kind of a mirror image of how everyone saw Chenault being used. So, you know, that's a good uh, it's a good analogy and analysis on that because I agree with you completely. And, um, yeah, you got to like Chenault now even more. So for both those guys, actually, um, Etienne was going to probably dig into both of those guys' a volume a little bit this year, and, and now it's wide open again. Um, here's some really big news that Burke can really touch on. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater named starting QB for the Broncos over Drew Locke. And some people in Denver really like it. I don't like it at all. I, I actually don't like it one bit. Um the reason why I don't like it, it's nothing against Teddy Bridgewater. I just don't think he's a dynamic playmaker at quarterback. There's a lot of weapons on Denver, uh, really good weapons. I mean, you got Sutton, Judy, Hamler, uh, you got Fant, you got Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. There's just a lot there to really like. And my my issue is Teddy Bridgewater is kind of just a game manager type quarterback. Drew Locke had a lot more potential. And it's almost like you're shutting the door on Drew Locke because you're asking him to be the backup. And is he really going to develop that much being the backup quarterback? And Denver's basically putting their all their chips back into the you know the the QB carousel of trying to find another guy to play quarterback. And it's almost like they're starting over once because uh, I don't think that Teddy Bridgewater is a long-term solution for them. And it's one of those things where it, it's better you know the, the competition wasn't one-sided it was pretty even actually all throughout camp so you always go with the young guy with the with the higher ceiling and try to get him you know try to develop him and I feel like Fangio was really short-sighted and just thinking about this year and uh you know trying to create a a team that was going to be run heavy and play good defense and it's kind of a slap in the face to the skills guys they have on this team and I'm actually concerned that they're not going to use them to their full capabilities. Burke? Yeah, I think um, there's a couple ways to look at it. You know, we both talked about in the podcast that we you know, would like Drew Locke and thought that, you know, he's easily named the starter because at that point, um, you know, he had not been. They hadn't announced the starter that we thought he could move up in our rankings. But only because he's a, as we said, a gunslinger, um, dynamic player and really going to spread the ball around. He's got a lot of playmakers around him. So from a fantasy standpoint, Locke was the quarterback you wanted to see on the Denver Broncos. Um, however, as noted in our discussion, is that Fangio um, is pretty conservative. Um, he's going to try and win with defense first and not make mistakes in offense. 
Um, so Bridgewater makes sense if you're if Fangio. Uh, we talked about that being the conservative approach and that he we wouldn't be surprised to see him go with uh, Bridgewater. You know, even um, as you said, though, you know, we're still going up against Kansas City. Chargers. With, uh, Herbert, you know, mm-hmm. Oakland, tend, uh, Oakland. <laughs> Las Vegas tends to put up a lot of points and, and mm-hmm. when they play in Denver. And so you have some games where you're going to be in a shootout and you're really relying on the defense to hold those um, teams in check. And uh, specifically the Chiefs, that's not easy to do. So, um, you know, the defense has got to play well and Bridgewater's got to be really efficient or Denver's just not going to put up enough points to win. Um, Fangio is 0-7 in September and uh, can't be, he cannot you know, go win this in September again. And I think he went the safe bet, uh, predominantly because he's trying to protect the job. I, I hear you on that. And I just don't feel like it's a good match for that division. You know, if it was the NFC South, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Well, actually, I take that back. <laughs> Not the NFC South, the NFC North. I'd be like, oh, yeah, conservative, play defense, run the ball. You can do that in that type of division. But a division where, you know, you're, you're scoring a lot of points, it's kind of like how I feel about the NFC South, where it's a kind of shootout type division where there's a lot of points scored. Um, you have good defenses, but you have really talented offenses. And I just feel like this move how's Denver going to be able to keep up with those high-scoring offenses that they're going to face every week in, in that division? So Yeah, and, that, and I don't think that Bridgewater is, is someone that you're going to have in your you know your top two tiers um, as fantasy quarterback this year. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't think – I mean, he might be draftable as, like, the second quarterback, like, late in the draft, but even then, like, it, he, I think he can go undrafted and he'd be totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, – and now the final news of the day for the breaking news is QB Jameis Winston named the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. We knew it was a matter of time. We knew it was coming. Taysom Hill just, you know, didn't have a good preseason at quarterback. And I really feel like putting that quarterback took away from what he could do on offense as, a you know, the weapon that he was previously. Um, it just makes a lot of sense to have Winston there. Again, he might throw a lot of pick sixes, but... He can really sling the ball around, even with, you know, not having the supporting cast that he's used to around him. I think he can make some guys better, and this was a great move for the Saints, and I I feel like they were going to be one-dimensional with Taysom Hill, and now they're going to have a little bit more balance to that offense. So, And Jameis Winston definitely is going to be, you know, I had him at 14. I definitely, I'm obviously keeping him there, because that's where I think he will be uh, now that I know he's the starting quarterback. Yeah, I'd Winston at uh, 20, and he was my asterisk, is that if they named him at the starter, um, then I'd jump him up. I'd have him at number 13 um, right after Hertz and Bur- uh, Burrow. Um, that's where I would have him at this point, and he could make a justification to move him up even to number 12. Um, yeah. But you know, right there at 12, 13, 14, I think is a sweet spot for Winston. Um, I think he's going to do very well in uh, New Orleans. I-, I also think, you know, I was – that Taysom Hill will be involved to some extent, but I think obviously you're going to have your your um, QB1 being Winston, and I think that benefits a lot of the playmakers in the team. I was concerned somewhat with, um, you know, Taysom Hill on, you know, again, you know, doing the goal line carries at the quarterback and taking mm-hmm. away some of the goal line opportunities from Kamara. Kamara tended to have the most production, um, you know, and other, when other quarterbacks were playing, you know, not that he wasn't productive at all times, but um, at times, Taysom Hill did 
he had uh, those games where he just wasn't as productive. And so I think with Winston at quarterback, it really opens up things for Kamara, and I think that that just helps move him up in the rankings as well. Yeah, I think it pretty much solidifies his top, you know, four running back. Like he's definitely a top five running back, if not a top three running back. So I mean, obviously, I haven't uh, we haven't discussed our running back rankings yet, but um, I definitely think it solidifies that too. And you know, I think it's just it's a good move. And uh, if Taysom Hill wasn't there, I mean, I would have Winston even higher. So he's he's a guy that just constantly produces for fantasy football purposes. Doesn't always get the W, but he'll get the W for your fantasy football team. Yeah, I saw I saw a stat um, or a post, I should say that. Reference that you know, Jason Hill be one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid, backup quarterback or the sixth highest paid tight end, and that's probably where <laughs> you know he's the guy you could put a tight end because you can do so many different things with him. That's a good point. Well, uh, that pretty much wraps things up for our breaking news, and uh, we're going to get right into the tight end rankings. So let's get started. You know what time it is? It's tight end ranking time. Let's get it done. All right, we're going to start these tight end rankings. And something I noticed going through the tight end rankings were that it was it was kind of a tough task. There's there's a lot of tight ends I like. I felt like tight ends last year were, you know, unless you had Kelsey or Waller, were, were you know were were pretty inconsistent. There weren't a lot of good ones, but uh, this year. I feel kind of differently. I, I just there's a lot of potential, and I think it's really deep. It's a really deep uh, uh, group this year. So I thought it made it really tough for ranking purposes because people were so close together all the way up to you know through 30 even. So we'll just do our top 20, and my number 20 tight end is Evan Ingram for the Giants, and I actually wanted to put him lower, but. He gets a lot of targets, and last year was just a situation where he had a lot of drops. Daniel Jones couldn't give him the ball necessarily, like he'd overthrow him, or it just was a weird situation. And then when he did catch the ball, he'd get like you know five yards a catch or so. So it really limited his uh, uh, potential that he could have had last year in production, and I just couldn't ignore that. And again, I wanted to put him lower because he was so disappointing last year. Um, and I, I know the Giants have Kyle Rudolph now, but I don't really feel like Kyle Rudolph's a tight end that's going to dip in, uh, into uh, Evan Ingram's target share. And, yeah, that's I have him at 20. And, again, I wish he was lower, but you can't ignore his, uh, his volume. Yeah, I um, have him a little bit different position here, but I have um, Eric Ebron at... 20. Um, now, he's here, but I have a handful of um, tight ends that I would put in this place. <laughs> um, a lot of it depends on the injuries. There's a few tight ends I really like this year, but I think we're still seeking some clarity on what their injury status is. And so, you know, that's something that I can easily bump out. Um, Eric Ebron, I think, you know, he's one of the those tight ends that, you know, can, can put up some season-long decent points uh, for your tight end position. The problem is he's just so streaky. He's going to have one game of two touchdowns, and then you won't see, you know, much else um, for the next two games. So that's why he's hard to have much higher than here, is just because you can't consistently count on him game in, game out. No, I agree, and he's he's frustrating to have because he drops a lot of passes too. And outside of dropping passes, 
you, you know, Pat Freermuth from uh, Penn State, the guy they drafted, he looks like he's a good red zone target too. So I'm not, you know, who knows if that's going to take away some of Ebron's red zone targets. And I actually have him right around the same area you do. I have him at 21, so I won't be talking about him uh, in this rankings, except for, you know, your ranking of him. And I just think that Eric Ebron is, yeah, it's a, this is a good ranking spot for him. He has potential to be better, but I think when all said and done, that's where he's going to end up. So number 19, I have Mike Kosicki for the Dolphins. And he's a guy, I really like his talent. He's a beast. Uh, I really think he's a weapon for the Dolphins. The problem is, you know, you, you see his games with Tua, Tagovailoa, and they were horrible. He got all his... You know, he, he was a, a fantasy uh, juggernaut for uh, Fitzpatrick, and I really felt like he struggled with Tua, and he wasn't the same tight end. And so I really feel like he's due for a regression. I know the Dolphins like Hunter Long a lot. They drafted him this year. Um, he's been injured a little bit, though, so who knows how that works out. But there's just a lot of ifs for me on Mike Gesicki that made me not uh, want to put him any higher than where I have him at 19. Yeah, I have, uh, for my number 19, um, I have Zach Ertz. Um, what, someone that prior to last year you had had you know, in your top 10, top 5 maybe tight ends. Um, but, you know, obviously last year did not play that well. A lot of rumors about him being traded. Um, ultimately stayed in Eagles. But what you're starting to see, you know, in the preseason games as well as some of the camp um, news is that they're utilizing him and Goddard. Um, so, you know, I, he's someone to have a 19. And uh, I think that could potentially be a two tight end tandem, um, you know, Philadelphia. So I have him at number 19. No, then that makes sense, too, because you look at their receivers that are pretty unproven right now. And Devonta Smith, Jalen Rager, uh, Quez Watkins. So uh, using those two, you know, the Eagles have always used two tight ends. It's just, uh, yeah, Ertz had a rough year last year. And hopefully they can get back to, you know, where they're both relevant. Um, and by the way, Mike Kosicki, uh, I like that he has sick in his name because he does make me sick. It feels like every time I use him, he doesn't do anything. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not going to use him. Screw this guy. And then he has a, a great game. So it's one of those situations where there's not a bitterness, but you know, you always have those players where they burn you enough times and you, you know, you, you start to, uh, uh, get a little bit, uh, angry at them where you're like I'm not uh, buying the Kool-Aid this year on this guy <laughs> um, number 18 I have Cole Komet from the Bears and he was a tough evaluation just because Jimmy Graham is still there and Jimmy Graham had a great season last year I really felt like they were starting to move towards Cole Komet at the end of the year and he, he had some rookie rough patches which all rookie tight ends do um, him going into his second season, I feel like he's going to be more of a weapon. They're going to maybe phase out Jimmy Graham a little bit more. And uh, Cole Komet's going to be a better, uh, have a better season. And uh, I, I definitely like the quarterback situation in Chicago. I don't, you know, Justin Fields is probably going to be the starter. Uh, you know, and I know he's a rookie, but uh, usually the tight end is their security blanket. And anyone's better than Mitchell Trubisky, so... There's my day at Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I've uh, Cole Komet here pretty soon as well. But number 18, I have Evan Ingram. Um, you know, again, a guy that 
had a lion's share of targets last year, um, but just could not get the ball into the end zone. So, you know, you, you got to think there's got to be some improvement based on where he was, you know, you know, from last year. You know, he had mm-hmm. 109 targets last year, one touchdown. Um, I don't think his targets are going to be as high as they were, but if they can get back to, you know, even previous years, 19, 68 targets, 467 yards passing, three touchdowns, you know, Ingram has that potential to be one of your top tight ends. Um, it just, you know, the, again, um, not, has not been able to get the end zone consistently. Hopefully with uh, Saquon Barkley returning, that that will, um, you know, that run game, a lot more play action off that run game and open up some of the passing game to Ingram. Yep. I would, uh, I would agree with everything. Number 17, I have Blake Jarwin for the Cowboys. And he started off as a tight end or starting tight end last year. He ended up getting hurt for the season. And then Dalton Schultz came in. And actually, Dalton Schultz had a really good season for the Cowboys. And the whole time you're thinking, wow, this could have been Blake Jarwin. He could have had this type of season. And I'm not going to ignore it. Dak Prescott is back. He's able to use all his weapons. And I, I just feel like with that offense, Blake Jarwin's definitely going to see his uh, targets and uh, his volume, and he's going to be a weapon for the Cowboys. And I wanted to put him a little bit higher, but, you know, he just came off of injury. Uh, he's not Dalton Schultz. Uh, you know, uh, I want to give a flyer out to everybody. He's not Dalton Schultz. So who knows if he would have been as productive as Dalton Schultz was. But I, I definitely see that potential, and so I, I I think like this is a good spot for him right here. Yeah, I I have him outside my top twenty, but it's due to the injury, you know, coming off that injury, and then as you said, that Schultz produced pretty well as a tight end um, in place of Jarwin, and I think Jarwin was set to have a breakout year prior to that injury, um, but Schultz played well. So a little bit of concern is you know as we talked about. Um, Ertz and Goddard, are we going to have a little more two tight end utilization? You have a ton of receiving weapons there. Um, more focused on the run game too with Elliott. So um, I, I would like to move him higher. Um, you know, like I said, he's at semi 20, but uh, someone I'd like to have higher, but just some uncertainty related how they're going to use him and the in- injury. Um, so my number 17 is where I have Cole Komet. Um, again, I we, we've talked extensively that we think Justin Fields starts, but we think he starts week two after they play the Rams. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, is the, the dynamic quarterback that I think you're going to see have a utilization of Komet. Um, so at 17, I'm pretty happy to get him. Yep. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I uh, When Justin Fields takes over in week two, and I, I really feel like it's obvious. I feel like the whole world knows, like, hey, we're going to send Andy Dalton out to the Wolves, and, and then it's going to be all Justin Fields. But uh, number 16, I have my man, who I really am high on. I felt like he was a guy I was looking at last year for this season. Uh, Adam Troutman for the Saints, especially with Winston winning the quarterback job. Uh, he, Winston, you know, he, he definitely uses the tight end and all the offenses he's been in. He's able to utilize them. I, I like the fact that... Uh, Troutman showed some promise last year. He just was buried on the depth chart. Now he's going to be the guy there, and I really think he's going to be a, a upper echelon tight end. He actually has the potential to be a top 10 tight end, but I don't want to get carried away here. Uh, he has the potential, but he hasn't shown anything. 
So I feel like 16 is a good spot for him, and he's a guy that you might want to target if you're looking at maybe a second tight end in your draft. Yeah, I don't have a Charman in my top 20, not because of you know a lack of talent. Um, it's that injury. Um, I he is someone that I had would probably have at the same spot you do, if not a little bit higher. Um, but with having that ankle injury, you know, right now it's saying missing one to two, three weeks, but mm-hmm. he still has to visit the specialist. So there's still some uncertainty about that injury. Um, so, you know, if this some, is something that's going to require surgery, we might see, you know, extensive lost time or, you know, potentially season injury. I hope not. Early indications are not. Um, but, you know, again, if I had some more clarity on what his injuries are, I would have him in a similar spot of 16 or even higher. Someone I was really excited going into the season so pretty disappointed to see him injured but hopefully we get that cleared up before our drafts yeah and actually i had him at 12 before the injury so i actually had him higher and i actually dropped him because of the injury so that's how high on him i think you know once he does come back what his production could be i feel like he's going to be playing catch up of course but i think uh by the end of the season uh he slides into that uh you know i have what 16 so he's uh going to be in that top 20 yeah, I feel much better about him, too, with Winston at quarterback. Um, the question's going to be, who's your starting tight end? Is it Taysom Hill or Troutman? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Number 15, I have uh, Robert Tanyan for the Packers. And I feel like he's due, like he, he was a top five tight end last year, but he was really touchdown dependent. And I don't feel like he's going to be. Uh, I don't feel like he's going to be a top five tight end. I feel like there's a regression. He's not going to get all those uh, touchdowns. He's d- didn't get a lot of targets. You know, he he really ranked up really high for not having a lot of targets. And uh, I just feel like that's going to kind of even out this year, where he's going to maybe have the same amount of targets, but just not the touchdown volume, and that's going to drop him significantly to 15. There's just so many tight ends I like better than him that I feel like are going to be more productive and get a lot more volume that it just makes me feel more comfortable having him here at 15. And unfortunately that's like a almost 11 spot drop from where he ranked last year. But again, with the volume that he gets, I, I just feel like that's an appropriate spot for him. Burke, why don't you run through your next couple? Yeah, well, you know, I spent so much time talking about your um, (laughs) – I never got to my 16. So um, my 16 is Gerald Everett. Um, You know, going to Seattle, um, I think that he could absolutely finish higher than a top 16 tight end ranking by the end of the year. You know, Russell Wilson tends to utilize his tight ends well, and I think he's a very talented tight end that uh, would complement Russell Wilson and, you know, Lockett, Metcalf. Um, that would complement those those weapons that are already around Russell Wilson. You know, obviously played very well um, with the Rams, um, but, you know, getting a chance here at, at Seattle is a, a great fit and someone I'm really excited about this year. I agree. I'm really excited about him. And I actually have him just outside my top 20 just because Seattle had such a conundrum at tight end. They had, like, four different tight ends, but they had uh, Olsen, Disley and uh, Hollister last year, so I was like, who's going to be the guy? Now they just have Disley and Everett, but I'm still worried about Disley maybe uh, taking away some of those targets that Everett could get, and it scared me enough to just put him outside my top 20, but I agree. I feel like Everett has a huge upside and 
could be a real bargain for anyone that drafts him. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, Seattle's tend to have that four tight end rotation, if you will. But uh, I think Everett, um, you know, has the, the greatest opportunity to be that clear target uh, focus at the tight end position from Wilson. Um, my number 15 is where I have Gasecki. And, um, I, you know, some of the concerns that you highlighted um, with Tua, um, I understand as well. I still see him being as a productive tight end, having missed my 15th ring tight end. All right. And... Uh... We both have Gesicki on a decline this year with uh, due to Tua. And uh, number 14, move on to number 14. I have Anthony Ferkser from the Titans. And I didn't want to do this. I really wanted to put Anthony Ferkser so much farther down the line. But tight ends, if they do anything, they utilize their tight end position. He actually was more productive than Jonu Smith towards the second half of the season. He uh, proved to be a pretty decent ca- uh, pass-catching tight end. And now there's not a lot of competition for those targets. And I just feel like he's going to blow up and have a significantly better season than he had last year. And this is a guy that's going to go under the radar that not people, not too many people are going to talk about or even think about drafting. But I think he falls just right outside of the top 12. Like He, he could be a starting tight end for, uh, for a fantasy football team this year. Yeah, I, I have him outside my 20, um, but largely just based on, you know, targets. You know, where how's the targets going to pay out with Julio now, you know, joining the Titans? Um, you know, big fan of Jonah Smith. Um, last year he battled quite a few injuries, and, and many times um, first career outperformed Jonu. Um, you know, it, it seemed to be kind of like, uh, I think um, when you said you play Ibram, he's always disappointing you, I think, right? Gasicki, the one that you play and you know doesn't get you the the points and just kind of makes you sick well that's kind of how i felt like jonu last year i played jonu and then his first group that kept jumping in and taking those points that i anticipated um i have my my top um 20 but i you know again i at ibram i had number 20 and i said there was plenty of tight ends that i could look at that spot and first group is one of those so i i wouldn't be surprised to see him you know a mid a mid-team finish at the end of the year all right. Let's see here. So my number fourteen is Rob Gronkowski. Um, I, you know, I, I think Rob Gronkowski still has a productive season. Um, you know, with uh, Tom Brady, and I, I, I feel like in a way this is a year that Tom Brady, not that Tom Brady has much pressure. You know, I've seen in his career, I don't think it quite gets to him. But someone that's just gonna, um, you know. He's going to be really comfortable in second year in that system and just going to be able to toss that, that ball around with a lot of the weapons that he has. You know, even last year, I mean, seven touchdowns, 623 yards. That's pretty impressive for a guy who'd already missed a year of football. So, he was a top um, 10 tight end last year. What's that? He was a top 10 tight end last year. Exactly, yep. Yep, and it's funny that you have him at 14 because I have him at 13. And uh, I feel the same way you do about him. I feel like... Uh, you know, he's a great weapon for Tom Brady. He looks for him. Uh, he had a great season last year. Uh, he is getting older, so I, I feel like there's a regression that's going to happen. Um, also, with how many weapons the Buccaneers have, it's like, you know, between Antonio Brown, Godwin, Evans, uh, you know, they have Tyler Johnson there. Uh, there's just people that I feel like are going to take away some of uh, Gronkowski's targets. You know, Cameron Brait. We always we never talk about Cameron Bray at tight end, and it seems like he's always relevant uh, 
you know, stealing some targets and touchdowns for the Buccaneers. So uh, I feel like this is a good spot for Gronkowski. All right. So my number 13 is I have Dallas Goddard. Um, this is where I have him again. I, as someone I had earlier, I had him higher um, earlier in the year, but as the se- preseason and again, some of the camp news coming out of just an increased usage of Ertz that again, as you mentioned, it could be two, that two diadem system just because the young nature of the wide receiver core. Um, so I moved him back a little bit just with the emergence of Zach Ertz kind of in the fold this season. So um, someone I normally would have had a little bit higher until um, Ertz's emergence. Yeah, and it's funny that you have him at 13 because I have him at 12. And I really feel like uh, uh, Dallas Goddard is Ertz by having Zach as the other tight end. Um, I just, uh, yeah, using both of them, you never know who's going to be the guy. Goddard is definitely productive. I feel like he's going to be a, a top 12 tight end. He's going to be, you know, good enough to be a starting tight end for some uh, fantasy football team. But the having Zach Ertz there as well, who I feel like is going to have a better season, it's, uh, it's going to take away some of his volume and, and uh, production that he could otherwise have. So. Who's your number 12, Burke? My number 12 is Robert Tanyan. Um, again, I think that when you're talking about all the things you talk about as far as regression and touchdowns, I think that is absolutely possible. Um, I do think that Aaron Rodgers is going to try to set the world on fire this year. Um, <laughs> and so um, I don't know what other weapons are going to have. I mean, Randall Cobb, but, you know, what has he got? Um, you know, three games before it's an ankle or a hamstring injury. Um, you know, so you got Devontae Adams. You know, you still got Aaron Jones. But I don't see Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Well, yeah, he wasn't holding <laughs> breath on him for some time. So, you know, um, you know, Tanya and I can see. Alan Lazard, the Lazard guy. <laughs> I, I, I could see, uh, you know, Tanya just, you know, having some more um, receiving yards, you know, reduction in, in touchdowns. But still, I mean, you know, he's coming off of 586 yards receiving, 11 touchdowns, a little bit of regression. He's still a very, very productive tight end. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. Number 11, I have Jonu Smith for the Patriots. And I really I kind of hate this because I really wanted him higher. He was one of my favorite tight ends last year coming into the season. And he set the world on fire at the beginning. He was just, man, he was a top tight end for, what, the first six weeks or so. And then he got injured and then slowly just uh, wasn't the same or he kind of fell off at the end. And that was disappointing to me, but um, going to the Patriots was kind of a, I felt like, uh, rejuvenation for him. He's going to an offense that likes to use the tight end. They just haven't had a tight end to really throw to. And they got him and Hunter Henry, so it was kind of back in the day where they had kind of the uh, Gronkowski-Hernandez type deal, especially the Patriots don't have a lot of wide receiver weapons, uh, you know, Jacoby Myers is like their top receiver right now, and that's just a scary concept for, you know, Nikhil Harry is just not, you know, turning into a first-round bust right now. And so I, I really feel like that tight end volume is going to really in- increase this year, and John New is going to be the uh, recipient of it, especially with Hunter Henry's injury. But 
my issue with it too is it's you know Cam Newton throwing him the ball. Uh, is it going to be Mac Jones? There's just a lot of question marks on who's going to be getting him the ball. There's definitely that injury history, so that kind of scares me off a little bit. So I just feel like 11 is appropriate spot for Johnny Smith, even though again he's I love the guy. I think he's one of my favorite tight ends. Yeah, um, really high him as well. I have him a little bit higher than you do. Um, for my number 12, I have uh, Tyler Higby. So, I'm sorry, um, my number 11, not 12, is where I have Tyler Higby. Um, you know, Stafford always connected well with tight ends over his career. I'm really excited to have um, Stafford in McVay's system. And um, I, I think that Higby's going to be due for quite a few targets this year. Um, tight end, really excited about my number 11 overall. Nice. And I'll get into Higby here soon. But at number 10, I don't have Higby. I have Logan Thomas for the Washington football team. He just came out of nowhere. I mean, there was preseason buzz about him last year that uh, he was going to be a part of the offense, but you weren't sure if that was just, uh, you know, that was just hyperbole or if that was going to be a, a real thing. And it turned out to be a real thing. He actually had a really great season. It was really productive. And I think that continues with Fitzpatrick. You know, you saw what he did with Gasicki, and, and not that I'm comparing Thomas with Gasicki, but... I definitely think there's a, a lot of volume there for him, and he's going to be a top 10 tight end. Yeah, I have, I'm high on Thomas as well, even higher than you have him. Um, my number 10 is Jonah Smith. I'm really excited about Jonah Smith this year. I was high on him last year. Obviously, some injuries set him back. You know, the only concern I have, too, is Hunter Henry. We haven't talked about him, someone that I would have um, ranked as well. But, again, we're talking about the injuries. At least mm-hmm. I am talking a lot about some of the injury concerns. And Hunter Henry is not someone I have ranked right now, but he could be a presence as well. Um, but right now, we're not sure in his status. Jonah Smith, um, you know, I think is going to be a very dynamic tight end no matter what. Um, but um, I have him, again, number 10. Um, it would be nice to have some clarity in the quarterback situation. Still sounds like it's going to be Cam to start. Um, but we all anticipate Mac at some point. Yep. And actually, I have uh, Hunter Henry at 22. I really feel like even with the injury, he'll be relevant. It's just uh, the injury will bring him outside of the draftable range absolutely uh number nine i have tyler higby so and i like him for the same reasons you do the reason why i think he's due for an increase in uh production is for one he has matthew stafford like we were talking about jared goss not throwing him the ball anymore so there'll be more consistency there you know you saw what stafford was able to do with hawkinson and then on top of that, Gerald Everett's gone. He went to Seattle. So he doesn't have that competition like he had before where, you know, sometimes Everett would dip into Higby's uh, uh, targets. And I feel like that's good enough to be number nine overall. And uh, I, I feel like Tyler Higby's due for a big year. And I know there's a lot of talk about maybe Harris dipping in there and stealing some targets, but I'm not buying it. I, I feel like Higby's going to have a great year. Yeah, um, for my number nine is I have Irv Smith, um, someone that I was pretty high in last year. I'm, I'm amazed how he didn't quite have the production I anticipated, you know, especially with Kyler, Kyle Rudolph taking a significant step back um, in his presence in the Vikings offense last year. Um, but still pretty productive. Um, Irv Smith, you know, 365 yards, five touchdowns, you know, not having Rudolph there at all. You know, you got the feeling, you got um, Jefferson, I think he got some weapons on the outside. Can open up in the middle for Irv Smith, who's a, a very talented tight end. Someone I anticipated to be um, even producing much more than they already have. So I think this is the year that we see Irv Smith take that step forward. 
nice and i will definitely be talking about him i'm i like him so um number eight i have kyle pitts from the falcons there's a couple things about kyle pitts that i don't like like I wanted to put him higher because of the talent and how he could he's a matchup nightmare, especially if they put him in that slot uh, receiver position that they used for Austin Hooper when he was playing uh, in Atlanta. But for one, he's a rookie, and we're always really ramping up the rookies, and then they disappoint. Uh, rookie tight ends don't usually have very good production, and uh, it's usually their second and third years where you really see that uh, them take that uh, – their game to the next level. And then the other thing about Kyle Pitts that uh, outside of him just being a rookie is, yeah, how are they going to use him? Are they going to put him in the slot? Is he going to be a traditional tight end? It, it just, uh, I really feel like you're drafting him at a ceiling right now. And that's a scary proposition. I hate drafting guys at their ceiling because if they don't meet it, you're over drafting him, you're over reaching for him. But, again, the talent's there, so I have him at number eight, even though I'm real cautious about it. Sure. I, I think it has strong points there about, you know, Pitts. Um, my number eight's Noah Fant. Noah Fant is um, tight end. I'm, I'm really high in this year. You know, the one thing is there's definitely an emergence of weapons in uh, Denver with, you know, Cortland Sutton returning from injury. Um, you know, Noah Fant was, uh, you know, a primary target last year. He had Jerry Judy come back in the second year. Kent Hamler was there last year, but didn't play quite as big a role as I think he could play this year. Additionally, he battled some injuries, so you got Hamler, you got Judy, um, you know, and you got Cortland Sutton back. Um, so, you know, I think that Fant potentially could have a little bit reduction in his targets, um, but a tight end, I think, is extremely talented. And, you know, if there's weapons the outside, absolutely opens up the middle for him. Um, but uh, just would like to see a little bit more how Teddy Bridgewater is going to be used in this offense too. I think with Drew Lock, they're going to throw the ball a heck of a lot more than they will with Bridgewater. So that's why I have Fant a little bit lower than where I'd normally want him. That's where I have him at eight. Well, I will jump in and talk about him because I have him at number seven. And kind of the same thing, uh, you know, the, that you kind of mentioned, I, I wanted to talk about the same thing. You know, there's a lot of weapons in, in on the Broncos offense. So I feel like that's going to take away a little bit. Um, but again, they really... You know, they, they they tried to force the ball to Fant last year, and he's a big part of that offense. My, my big thing is, can he stay healthy? If he can stay healthy, I feel like he can blow away this ranking and be a top-five tight end. But um, the injury history scares me. It seemed like he was hurt, you know, more times than I can count last year. And, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of weapons for the Broncos, but... I think another thing that scares me too is we talked about it with uh, you know Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater in our breaking news earlier today. Um, are they going to go to more of a run-oriented offense? Is that going to take away opportunities from Fant? So I really need to see how what this offense looks like and what they're going to try to do because uh, the weapons are there, but are they going to use them? My my number seven is uh, Logan Thomas. Someone I was, you know, had as a sleeper last year. Um, one of my best best ball um, pickups that I had or drafts that I had was Logan Thomas last year, paid dividends. Um, but I'm really high in Logan Thomas. Again, you know, number seven overall is where I have him. You know, looking at some of his stats from last year, just amazing in 2020, 110 targets. Unlike Ingram, though, he also associated with six touchdowns. So, 
um, you know, with Fitzpatrick. You know, we saw how Fitzpatrick, um, you know, connected well with Kosicki. I think that Logan Thomas is set for a really big year again, and I'm um, excited to have him as my number seven tight end. Not too bad. I definitely feel like uh, he could even be better than number seven for sure. My number six, I love this guy. I actually think he's my uh, he's actually my pick to really take that next step. It's Irv Smith Jr. for the Vikings. I, I I definitely feel like he could be even higher than where I'm ranking him. He was one of those guys where you're right. Kyle Rudolph last year seemed like they were indebted to him. Like some Kyle Rudolph had pictures or something of the Vikings uh, coaching staff because it's like, you know, you, you could definitely tell Rudolph was hurt or he lost a step last year. It wasn't the same guy, definitely a st- decent blocker still, but he wasn't the uh, pass catching threat that he was previously. And they just kept playing him over Irv Smith. And then when Rudolph did get hurt and Irv Smith w- uh, came in there, he played really well and he dominated. And I expect now that Kyle Rudolph's kind of out of the way that that's going to continue and he was on a pace to to be, uh, you know, a, a top five tight end if he kept those stats. So, I I'm really high on Irv Smith Jr. I think he's the tight end to own, especially where you can draft him, and you can get, you know, top five if not top three production from him at a, a really good, uh, you know, really good draft value come draft time. Yeah, I have, um, for my number six overall, I have Kyle Pitts, um, you know, higher than I would normally have a rookie tight end. Um, all the things that you, you know, you referenced are, are, are valid concerns. Um, you know, we tend to not see rookie tight ends put up a lot of points. We tend to come in with a, high, a lot of high aspirations for those um, rookies, and they tend just not to produce a whole lot their first year. However, Kyle, um, sorry, Kyle Pitts is, is just a, a dynamic tight end i think he could he could play play my receiver obviously play my tight end i think that the falcons are going to heavily utilize him in his skill set you know you got calvin ridley obviously but then kyle pitts on the opposite side i think is going to get a lion's share i don't say lion's share obviously lion's share second to calvin ridley um, but i think they're they're going to move pitts around and uh he's you know filling a void that, that i think will be left by julio jones and so he's someone that because of his talent how I think that they're going to use him this upcoming year, that I'm, I'm willing to go after Pitts at my sixth tight end. All right. Number five, this is uh, – I really like the talent, but I, I really feel like he has bust potential this year. Uh, number five, I have TJ Hawkinson for the Lions. Love Hawkinson. I really think he's a good tight end. The rapport he had with Stafford last year was just amazing. He was their biggest weapon. Um, but – there are concerns, of course. Uh, Jared Goff is throwing him the ball for one. You know, what's that offense going to look like? It's a run-first offense. Uh, you know, are, are they going to try to incorporate Hawkinson in the uh, on the goal line like they have uh, previously? It's a whole new regime. I don't know how they're going to use him. There's just a lot, a lot of things that scare me about Hawkinson where I, I definitely feel like he could be a guy that everyone's going to be high on and draft really high and he could disappoint you. But at the same time, I just think he's a great talent. You know, you saw what he did last year. If they just use him to his capabilities, he's going to be a top five tight end. Yeah, I have Hawkinson at number five as well. Um, yeah, I think there is that bust potential as well, but I think he's going to be their best receiving target, right? They have no one else to go. Who are they going to throw to? Yeah, exactly. So um, I have Hawkinson at number five as well. All right. And uh, number four, it looks like we might have the same thing for the 
top five, I'm thinking. But number four, I have Mark Andrews for the Ravens. I felt like he was a, not that he was a disappointment last year, but I, I definitely felt like he didn't meet expectations. The people expected a, you know, a little bit more production from him last year. He battled some drops, and then just at times he was invisible, which was odd to me. You know, Lamar Jackson just wasn't looking for him like he did the year before. And uh, so I, I still feel like that's there. But Mark Andrews is the main weapon in that Ravens passing attack, and so he's always going to be part of that offense and part of the game plan. And, uh, you know, at the tight end position where it's feast or famine, he's going to be feasting more than he's going to be famining. Yeah, I have uh, Andrews number four. Um, yeah, you know, he, he tied as far as uh, um, targets last year. Um, I'm sorry, not targets, but receptions. That he tied with Marquise Brown last year. And um, so, you know, he missed two games as well last season. So uh, while it does feel like he took a little bit of a step back, I do think he's a highly productive tight end. You know, seven touchdowns last year, 701 receiving yards. As we talked when we were discussing, um, you know, quarterbacks and Lamar Jackson, that we don't, you know, we don't see another receiving weapon out there and that's really going to take away these targets. And so I think the offense still goes through that running game with Mark Andrews. Yep. Agreed. Number three, I have George Kittle for the 49ers, and he's just a beast. You know, he was hurt last year, so he kind of everyone kind of forgot about him. And, again, I think Mark Andrews' numbers last year, it was, it was a down year for tight ends, and so I felt like that boosted up Mark Andrews' uh, uh, ranking a little bit. Um, George Kittle was the opposite. His ranking dropped like a rock because he was hurt. And uh, this year, I feel like uh, he's just going to go back to being the George Kittle of old, and he's a, a, the biggest weapon on that offense. The 49ers like to use him, like to move him around. Uh, they make sure they get him the ball. And, uh, yeah, he's a guy that you just, you know, at number three, he could be he could be two or one at, by the end of the season, the way they use him. Yeah, I have uh, George Kittle in the same spot. You know, it doesn't matter to me what quarterback's going to play, whether that's Garoppolo or Lance. I think that he's going to be highly productive and, very much uh, solid position there at number three. Yeah, Shanahan gets him the ball, and he forces him the ball. So I'm not worried about, you know, a, a quarterback situation either. Number two, I have Darren Waller for the Raiders. He just is a beast two years in a row. Had a better season last year than the his breakout season. So there's – and, again, I'm not really high on a lot of the Raiders' pass catchers. You know, John Brown is there, Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards I like. Uh, actually, I like all the pass catchers, but I, I don't think they're number one guys or guys that are going to be consistent. Uh, Darren Waller will be, and he's also, for a tight end, can make some pretty big plays, uh, and he has, uh, you know, last year for sure. So uh, you're basically getting uh, a number two receiver uh, out of Darren Waller, and uh, he's definitely a guy that at the tight end position that you can draft early and, and feel really good about it, that you're going to uh, be getting a commodity that's going to uh, be more productive than the rest of your, you know, your, your competition. No, I agree. And, you know, he's their, their best uh, receiving target on that team, right? You know, last year, he also had 146 targets, nine touchdowns. Um, Waller, solidly the number two um, ranked tight end for me. Yep. And uh, number one, Melodramatic. I mean, we we need the trumpets just doing the womp, 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 because, I mean, everybody and their moms is going to have Travis Kelce 
And uh, I'm going to say Kels because that's the way you pronounce his name. We just learned that this offseason. So, um, I, he, he set records last year for, what, for yards and targets and everything. Like, he's Mahomes' main guy. Um, he's, he's like a number one receiver. I mean, he's going to be a first-round pick. He should be a first-round pick because your value that you get at that position at tight end just, uh, I mean, you have like a, what, like a six-point difference per uh, per week with him just being in your lineup than any other tight end that you would put there. It's just significant, and he wins you fantasy football leagues. So he's going to be number one. I don't see Mahomes all of a sudden losing interest in throwing to him. And uh, barring injury, I don't see anyone that's going to uh, take his place on the, the throne. No, absolutely not. I Number one as well. Um, you know, like you said, you could give a flex position. You get Kelson, you know, put him in a flex. You got a number one receiver, really. And then go get another <laughs> tight end. Um, you know, looking at the stats last year, you know, obviously it depends on how your league scores. But your wide receivers, your top two, Vontae Adams, 243 points. Tyree Kill, 241 points. Then you had um, Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs' numbers were 201. Travis Kels was 207. So he'd been the third-ranked wide receiver at coming out of the tight end position. Yeah, he's like a number one receiver. Yep, absolutely. It's... So, yeah, solidly number one. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so... Yeah, and... You know, there's this again, like going through this tight end rankings. There's guys that are in the 20s that were really intriguing to me. Like, you know, we talked about Gerald Everett. He's, you know, I didn't have him ranked, but I like him a lot. Uh, Hunter Henry, he was not on there because of injury. Donald Parham Jr. for the Chargers. I really like him. He's a target. Jacob Hollister for the Bills. Like, there's just a lot of guys where I feel like have a lot of potential that you can get late. Like, if you ignore the tight end position, you might be able to find some uh, hidden gems later in the draft at the very end that uh, could be really productive for you. So it's one of those things where um, I would actually maybe even get a, uh, an extra tight end than I would a uh, middling late round receiver uh, because it might have some more value for you uh, in this, you know, usually I'm like, ignore the tight end, get your one tight end. That's going to be, you know, a top 12 and leave it alone. But this year uh, that might not be the case. Yeah, and there's another, you know, um, they said there's quite a few um, that are outside there. You know, Jared Cook, maybe, you know, is one of those that could be productive. Um, Dan Arnold getting some buzz for the Panthers. Yeah, yeah, but um, Austin Hooper. Right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of tight ends out there that absolutely can add value to your team and uh, you know, get some I, tight ends late that are going to produce. They're not going to do Travis Kelce production, but they can produce for you. Exactly. I mean, I had Zach Ertz out the top 20 so that just shows you how deep i feel like it is this year and you know if someone ignores it uh i i would be the person that maybe doesn't ignore it and maybe gets that value so anyway that will wrap up our tight end rankings burke i appreciate you joining me it was a fun segment and Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh yeah we'll catch you next time we're gonna get right into the running back rankings and we'll let you know what we think about the running backs this year Alright, thanks for the listen. Yep, thanks for joining us. We did it. We finished today's podcast. We appreciate you listening. 
This is Ms. the Wiz Montalban, Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find us on Google, Spotify, Apple, all major podcast applications. We appreciate listening. Like us, review us, do whatever it takes. But uh, in the meantime, we'll be getting back at it doing wide receiver running back rankings. So in the meantime, cheers.